the Monday Rewind. That's over the top and that's it. It's another famous day in Irish cricketing history and Ireland have done it. It's obviously fantastic. Uh, the way we've gone about chasing down those runs was great and it, it sets us up now for, for the next few games so it's, it's a great position to be in. Zemo drags his man towards touch. It's out of play. There goes the final whistle. And in hugely dramatic circumstances, Ireland hold out against the French Storm. We looked at burying our game. I'd say we, we have a fair bit of trust in Johnny to utilise the space, whether that's through the middle or on the edge or in behind. Yeah, he, he found some really good space in behind Teddy Tomar, but uh, at the same time, there were a few times where we didn't quite finish things, as Paul said, that, that might have allowed us to put a bit more pressure on them, particularly on the scoreboard. So it's been another massive weekend and a great start to the week with Ireland beating West Indies in their opening match at the World Cup. We'll hear from Niall O'Brien shortly. We look back at Ireland's win over France with the help of Joe Schmidt, Conor Murray and Sean O'Brien along with our analyst Aidan McCullen, who's a former Toulouse, Leinster and Ireland player as well as the 42.ie's Murray Kinsella. We get the thoughts of Brian Cody, Jimmy Barry Murphy, Eamon O'Shea, Anthony Cunningham and Michael Brown, the clear selector after an exciting opening weekend in Division 1A plus TJ Ryan and Derek McGrath talk about Waterford and Limerick drawing in the Gaelic grounds. We've also got the analysis of Ken Hogan on Tipperary and why they were just so poor against Dublin. In football, Cara Finn will take on Schlott Neil of Derry in the All-Ireland Club Final on St. Patrick's Day following wins over Holders St. Vincent's and Kerry's Austin Stacks. We hear from all four sides. As well as all that, Kevin Kilban will preview the round of 16 Champions League ties of Manchester City, Arsenal and Chelsea. First though, in cricket, Ireland beat West Indies by four wickets in their World Cup opener in Nelson, New Zealand overnight or stroke this morning, depending on what way you look at it. But it's not a shock, according to Niall O'Brien, who posted a total of 79. After today's win, I caught up with him. It's not, not a shock from, from our dressing room. Um, we've gone into the game fully fully believing and expecting to win the game. And, um, you know, thankfully that's been proved right. And it's, a, it's a great day for us, a great day for all the boys. But as you say, from that point of view, it's not a shock. And... Um, Hopefully there's a few more victories in store for us moving forward. Now, you won the toss but elected to field first. What was the thinking behind that? Uh, I think it was a good decision to, to bowl first, really, because there was a little bit uh, a little bit of the wicket. It was a bit tacky um, at the start, and um, I thought we bowled really well at the start. To get four or five, four or five wickets, I thought the fielding was superb. Boys bowled really well at the start, and um, I think it was a justified, justified decision to bowl. Uh, obviously, from the position they were in to get 300 was obviously a little bit disappointing, but that can happen, and... Um, the wicket turned out to be very good. The boundary sides were quite small and the outfield was very fast. So 300 was well within our grasp. I was reading this morning that it's the fifth <coughs> successful World Cup chase in excess of 300 and three of them have been from Ireland. Yeah, that's you know, a bit of a, a, bit, of a uh, bit of a stat here. But three of the five, that's great. It's great for us. And um, you know, those three victories you mentioned have been absolutely fantastic. And uh, I was just thrilled a bit. Every one of us has worked really hard over the winter. Sometimes the results haven't gone as we would like over the winter, but um, days like this make it all worthwhile and uh, we're absolutely chuffed a bit, so uh, on with the upwards. In your warm-up games, the form didn't suggest that this performance was coming, but um, did you think it was? And was it just a matter of blowing off cobwebs in those warm-up matches? I think it's been, it's been a bit of a, an issue or a problem since I've been playing for Ireland to these tournaments. We never really play very well in the practice games. And, and the thing we all know is, you know, it doesn't make a difference in practice games. Yes, it'd be great to win every game you play, but they're there for a reason. They are, they are there to get some practice. And we knew once we came to this ground today, 11 o'clock would be right on the money and uh, we'd be in with a great chance of winning the game. And that's been, that's been shown right. And you had 79. Tell me about that. Ah, yeah, happy enough. Um, kind of obviously, Paul and, Paul and William go off the great spark and Ed carried that on with, with Sterlow. And two of them played, played beautifully. And um, it was of the whistle was really good just to go in and you know, keep attacking. Don't let the West Indies back in the game and uh, he kind of attacked the best form of defence. And, um, you know, some days it comes off, some days it doesn't. But I'm just thrilled a bit. I uh, had a few low scores last week. So uh, I'm just glad to get back in the run. And you can laugh about it now because you won the game, but uh, yourself and Kevin had a bit of a confusing <laughs> moment out there. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I stitched him up there because I ran the big man out. So I have to, I have to buy, him a, I buy him a shandy or two tonight to, to calm him down and get him to forgive me, I'm sure. I'm sure Mum and Dad will be having a few words with me later on. <laughs> I'm sure they will. Um, Niall, you had big wins before, so you're used to this. So how important is it that you kind of know how to handle a big victory like this? Ah, yeah, we've had some big wins before. I think the experience, experience in the camp 
um, is very important for those kind of things. And as much as we will enjoy this victory and this evening, and you know, it's really important to enjoy great days like this. We know what we need to do to get to the quarterfinals, and that's um, our first objective was to get to the quarterfinals. So we'll, we'll um, enjoy tonight, enjoy the win, and uh, start preparing in a couple of days' time for the next game against UAE the Gabba. It's a bit of a journey to travel now. No doubt you have the full week to do it, and you're going on a high, which no doubt does help. Oh yeah, very much so. It helps um, the whole the whole tournament. You know, there's a lot of travel involved and packing, and unpacking. But um, you know, there's nowhere we'd rather be. There's nothing else we'd rather be doing. So um, you know, just that's one of the things we just got to get on with. And um, you know, once we get to the UAE game and we'll prepare pro- properly, and um, there'll be no no stone left unturned. Don't worry about that. We'll be ready to try and get another two points. Is the danger with that game that you're expected to win it, or does that make any difference to this set of players? Not at all, no, not at all. We, we played the UAE a lot. Um, they've got some good players. Um, we're hoping the conditions out here won't suit them as much as when they play in the UAE and Sharjah, etc. So we know what we need to do, and um, as long as we do the basics, we, will, we should come out on top. Do you have it in your mind when you're playing these games that you know Ireland want to be a test-playing nation and these victories granted in one-day cricket... Uh, they do help, or, or is that not in your focus? Because at the moment you have a job to do, and that's not really kind of anything to do with it. I know that definitely, definitely is a focus on that. You know, we we want to play. You know, I grew up, grew up watching Test cricket. I want to play. I want to play Test cricket. That's my you know, ultimate aim is to play Test cricket. I want to play Test cricket for Ireland. So, you know, every every time we beat a big team like this and and have a performance like this, that is you know another indication or reminder to the powers that be that listen, we are a good group of players and. Uh, we potentially should be getting more and more one-day cricket especially and um, potentially test cricket in the future. Tell me about the fans because the Ireland fans always seem to travel en masse to wherever you're playing uh, in the World Cup no matter how far away it is and Nelson today was absolutely no difference. It, it looked absolutely brilliant on TV. It was, yeah. you know, a sea of green. Unbelievable, yeah. Yeah, listen, there was 8,000 8, in. There must have been six and a half, seven thousand 7,000 cheering us on. You know, we thank, we thank all the people of Nelson for their support and especially all the Irish who travel all over from the, all over from home and other parts of Australia New Zealand come watch us so they got behind us and um, it was just you know everywhere we go we get support whether we're playing against Scotland in, in Sharjah or whether we're playing the West Indies in Nelson we get support everywhere we go and the same with all the Irish sports teams we're very lucky to have the passionate people behind us and you've given us a great Monday morning in Ireland how does that feel it's kind of like Italian 90 all over again ah it's great yeah listen, I, hope, I hope everyone's going to have a good day at work I think the bosses should give them a half day today, so um, I hope everyone has enjoyed the game and they, can, they don't fall asleep at the office at the desk. Niall, pleasure talking to you and uh, the very best of luck with Top the man. tournament as it goes Top on. Man. This is the Rewind on News Talk and that was Niall O'Brien on Ireland's win over the West Indies. More on that coming up later tonight. That's Monday night on Off the Ball. Uh, hurling soon as well as the Champions League with Kevin Kilban. But first, rugby and Ireland's 18-11 win over France at the Aviva setting us up for a showdown with England on Sunday week. Before we get the analysis of Aidan McCullen and Murray Kinsella of the 42.ie, let's get the thoughts of scrum half Conor Murray and first back row Sean O'Brien on if the game against England at the Aviva the weekend after next will be a revenge mission after a defeat and a narrow one in Twickenham last year. No, I don't think it's a, a case of revenge. If you go to get revenge on, on a team, you know, you, you get bit in the arse probably. Um, so it's uh, it's a case about being composed and measured and uh, making sure we have, um, you know, all our detail in place and, and we're singing out the same hymn sheet. Can you talk about what it's like to come through uh, the last few phases of that game where you're defending and, and coming out on top and then Simon holding up the guy on, on the touchline to, to win it? Yeah, you're just getting up and trying to find a blue shirt. Um, you know, you're just working and working, and um, that's what it's all about. You know, and you're trying to come off the line, so you're, you're kind of running on adrenaline at that stage. You know, with a minute or two to go, and um, you know we've seen before in the past where we got caught maybe um, in, the, in the past few years. So it's very important that we stick to, stick to the stick to the system and um, you know trust each other. Those two props when they came on as well for France, they seemed to almost turn the game and momentum with them. How did you manage to, to counteract the, the size and bulk that they had? Well, we didn't deal with them very well. Personally, I bounced off on her too. So, you know, I suppose that's what I meant by we let them run a little bit at us in, in the second half, especially when their bench came on and um, that gave them a little bit of momentum and, you know, we were going back a little bit then. So um, there are things that we can work on, things that can improve on and uh, hopefully um, we'll, we'll do that in the coming week. We had one or two good chances to, to get over the line and um, and just, just put down that final pass or, or, or whatever. So that was a little bit disappointing. But look, we played the French, a really, really good squad um, and got, a, got away with a win. Um, you know, and we've, we've certain parts of our game that are really good, especially the defence. 
Um, you know, um, in terms of territory, I thought we played well enough. There were a few few kicks that went a little bit long from from a, a host of us, um, which will be a bit disappointing. But look, we got a win, um, and we'll reassess now and afford to England. What was it like having Johnny back outside you? Good, yeah. Like I said, during the week, he's a, he's a huge leader in the team, and, and having him back is always going to be a positive, and and it's going to add and, and bring something to the to the group, which is he got man in the match and, and, and kicked our points and, and put us in really good areas throughout the game. So, um, yeah, naturally enough, it was a it was a good thing to have him back. Everyone was talking about Bastro going after him uh, with the first chance he got, but it was actually Johnny who targeted Bastro for the first time. That that first um, collision between the two. Yeah, of them. you know, there was obviously talk about that, and but Johnny's a big big lad. You know, he's well able to look after himself. Mm. Um, um, you know, and, and he doesn't shy away from anything like that. So probably if he heard that during the week, it only kind of revved him up a little bit more to, to get a bit more out of himself. Can I ask you as well, you seem to be having a new role as uh, trying to get on the end of blocking, clearing kicks. Is that something that's new or is it just something I'm, I'm noticing more? Um, no, it's always been there. Um, probably just have it in my head a little bit more to, to get a, get in those situations and, and try and try and time my run a little bit and put pressure on kickers like that. So, um, yeah, it's a little thing we're doing in training. Um, and, you know, it is... It is kind of getting a few rewards. Last week, we got one uh, against Massey. Um, you know, and it's it's a nice area of the pitch to put pressure on people and try and turn it into into our advantage. So it's a little little new thing, yeah. Rugby writer with the forty two dot ie Murray Kinsler is with us. Murray, we've just heard from uh, Connor Murray and Sean O'Brien, and Sean O'Brien in the aftermath of that eighteen uh, eleven win over France sounded absolutely knackered what an effort and what a display from him yeah I don't, I don't think he probably expected to play the full 80 minutes and Joe even Joe Schmidt even joked after the match that uh, Sean O'Brien had thanked him greatly for, for the 80 minute uh, run out after what 14 months of shoulder problems and a lack of game time so it was a massive massive shift from him he got through a lot of work I think around the 50 minute mark I, I remember spotting him and he looked to be out on his feet at that stage I think he was kind of almost looking towards the sideline expecting to be dragged off but yeah a really really effective performance from a guy who hasn't played a lot of rugby he smashed some rocks I think there's that video clip going around of him clearing three French defenders out of the rock and that was a typical example there's definitely uh, work-ons for him as with every other player and the team in general but really great to see him back and he's a world-class player when he is fully fit Do you think he stayed on because of Jamie Heaslip's injury got that blow to the back had to go off we're not sure whether or not he'll feature against England or indeed for the rest of the Six Nations. We've got everything crossed that he'll be back, but we're not sure. Yeah, I mean, it would have made sense that the plan was to to get O'Brien off after 50 or 60, uh, get him through that kind of first spell where he lost his uh, fitness or where he blew up, as he says himself. But um, yeah, the, the injury changed everything. It was, a, it was a nasty incident. I actually thought it was a red. Uh, Wayne Barnes himself said it was a deliberate act in his opinion, so I don't see why it wasn't So you'd a red. agree with Shane Horgan, who said on TV commentary, if it's a yellow, then it kind of has to be a red? Yeah, I, I didn't actually hear that commentary, and a few people have said that to me, so I can't actually comment on Shane's comments. But uh, uh, for me, yeah, looking at it, it was a deliberate act. Um, I don't think he was going in there with a preconceived idea, I'm going to smash Jamie Heaslip in the back, but it was a little rush of blood, and he knew what he was doing. No one leads with the knee like that going into a, a choke tackler or a maul as it had developed into almost. So for me, it was a red because... Barnes himself admits, you know, it's, it's not an accident. He said, "C'est pas un accident" to the to the French guys, and and that just summed it up for me. It was a, it was a, a, a cheap shot, I think. So I would have liked to have seen a red there, but yeah, as you say, the injury to Hesip changes everything, and, and Sean O'Brien has to play on for for seventy six minutes while he he had a quick stint off when Sean uh, uh, Sean Cronin came in. Sorry, you mentioned work ons for the England game, which is on Sunday week at the Aviva. What are those work ons? Yeah, I mean, one of the real, real disappointments from the game, and Paul O'Connell actually mentioned it immediately after the after the match, was that missed try opportunity. It really stands out, and it was a really, really big moment. I think they scored that try, what was it, the 53rd minute, I think, and, and the game's at 15-6 to Ireland, and Sexton uh, throws that poor pass to Jared Payne. I think if they score that, that really finishes off the game as a result, and I think Ireland probably go on to maybe even score more points or possibly even another try with the French uh, effort maybe failing a little bit. It was, a, it was a really bad miss and you would have actually backed Sexton to have the composure to finish that. Um, they set it up really well. It was a typical Joe Schmidt kind of attack where they threw really well to the line out. Uh, Toner took it in the air. They set up that maul. They rumbled forward. Then Conor Murray makes a really good decision to take the ball out when they're actually moving forward, which is ideal ball for a back line. That's what you want to be running onto. Then you see Robbie Henshaw comes in a lovely decoy line. He sits Bastero down. And that was something before the match that was definitely a possibility because Bastero, he, he does bite in on, on those decoy lines and he, he's susceptible to misreading them. So they did that really well. Henshaw sits him down, play out the back and there's a number of options there for Sexton. Even if he, if even if they didn't score in that phase, they probably would have scored in the next phase because France's defence is, is, is at sixes and sevens, you know. So 
I think that was a really big miss, really disappointing. And then they compounded it, as O'Connell highlighted after the match, by giving away a penalty at the very next scrum. Um, Mike Ross got pinged. He, uh, Wayne Barnes said he was six inches too high and it was something he had highlighted earlier in the game. So it was a really, really disappointing moment. I think Schmidt will be furious over that um, looking back and, and they'll definitely review that extensively in Galway this week. So I think that was the big moment and that's a real disappointment. I think people want to see tries. Obviously, you go to a rugby match to see tries and I think Ireland have, have more tries in them. Um, I, I'd actually back Sexton to make the right decision or, or uh, carry that pass out a little bit better against England when he's a little bit fresher again. What is how big a loss would Jamie Heaslip be? Yeah, I mean, he's a world class player himself, and he's a, a kind of key member of the spine of the team, and and he's really great around the breakdown and the ruck. Uh, he is a huge work rate always. I thought he I thought he had a really good game um, against against the French. He, he's not always really noticeable on the pitch. He's the kind of guy where some people might wonder what's he actually doing on the pitch but he's there at the bottom of a rock after clearing out uh, he's got a good support line he makes a short carry with four defenders on top of him and he actually uh, plays maybe the phase before the moment where Ireland really threaten yeah. so he's a really key guy he does a lot of the uh, for want of a better expression he does unseen work and, and he, he gets through a lot of it yeah. uh, he's great around the set piece good Has in the his ball. game evolved because he used to be quite a swashbuckler and he used to be kind of like a centre which is no surprise because his great hero was one of Ireland's great wingers, Simon Gagan. But yeah. his game has evolved and maybe now it's taken a while for the, the credit to come to him for evolving his game. Yeah, like I think anyone who watches a lot of rugby or watches a lot of Leinster and Ireland games appreciates what Heesop does. As you say, he came through as that kind of ball-carrying number eight and that's what people probably expect from their number eight. They wanted to make big busts, smash through guys, offload. Uh, he adapted his game, but that's just a sign of the quality of the player that he can actually do that. Other people have done it. Brian O'Driscoll did it in the later stage of his career where he, he changed his approach and possibly because of physical things, but, but also because of an intelligence and an understanding of the game and what the team needs from. So Heesop is a really selfless guy. Uh, he'd be a big blow obviously he's, he's one of our top players and, and a key man but um, there is a lot of competition in the back row and, and I think there's probably cover there Jordy Murphy did well against Italy Tommy O'Donnell did well against Italy Ian Henderson's another possibility a really explosive guy so if he were to be injured for that England game there's, there's options there I assume the approach to the England game will be the same as the approach to the France game but will the personnel be the same? Yeah, I think Schmidt's not a guy who likes a lot of changes uh, throughout the championship. He obviously brought back in Sexton O'Brien. Uh, he had Best there again last week. So if, if there's a world-class player there, an option to bring in, he'll bring him in. But he does like... Uh maybe continuity in, in combinations he always speaks about this guys building up an understanding look at the centre pairing I think we're going to see the same again our Zebo now is on the left wing and he's performing well I think he's going to keep his place against England the tactics yeah I think we're going to see a lot of similar things as we have tr- across all Schmidt's games in charge of Ireland that kicking game the kick chase uh, he's building in really good restarts now um, and then those kind of clinical ca- uh, tries uh, off power plays well, bursting through the pack and getting through the traffic and crashing over the try line, by which I mean into the studio is former Irish international Leinster player and Toulouse player Aidan McCullen. Aidan, uh, welcome along. What did you make of the performance against France? Yeah, it was good performance. Um, you know, France decided to wake up in the last twenty minutes. It's a pity. It's a pity for French rugby that they they wait till then to actually play what they're good at. You know, I, I find the structures put into the French game and the amount of foreign players has actually ruined French rugby. And we've seen They're it. They're France in name only now, aren't they? Yeah, it's, a, it's such a pity because the the thing about playing a French side was there was no structure. I mean, when when, when I went to Toulouse, there was, there was no game plan and I'd come from very structured uh, way we played in Leinster. We, everybody knew at every stage where they were going to be on the pitch. You knew in defence what you were going to do. And I remember asking, uh, what's the defensive structure? You know, we work to pillar A, B, you know, where where you're facing up your opposition. You know exactly who's going to take who. And by that way, you're ultra-focused. And when you went over there, your job was just to tackle in defence. And that was it. There was no structures. But that was also their speciality as well. And that's what French flair ultimately was. And that's totally gone. And we saw it in the end when Para came on. And Para for me, is one of the best scrum halves in, in Europe at the moment. And to have him on the bench... Is just because you know um, having having Rory Cockett in there. Cockett's a kicker, and he's very structured type player, and that works when you're eking out victories like South Africa have done in, in previous World Cups. But it's 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 not the French game, and the French game is is dormant at the moment. That's mm. a very good point. Had Para come on earlier, or had he started, 
yeah. might Ireland not have won this game and is it something England can look at to expose us yeah it was obviously a really strong patch of the French attack I would say that Ireland did manage to limit that really well in the first yeah. 60 minutes that kicking game was key they kept France out of their own half they put them under massive pressure in the air so they couldn't actually build those counter attacks they couldn't build those um, unstructured situations because Ireland just didn't let, let them the, didn't give them the chance you saw Robbie Henshaw hounding Fofana at one stage Carney won a ball over Spedding so they did really well to limit that and that was a huge part of the game plan but I would say yeah Para just added so much I think San Andre looks like a coach who's a little bit confused about what he wants to do with the game uh, I, I asked him at the Six Nations launch is that French flair gone are they, are they trying to be a really structured team he kind of laughed it mm. off and said no we, we still have flair look at the tries we can, sco- we can score he pointed to England when uh, Fiku scored last year so he, you know, he's talking up this flair game but, but on the pitch they're not really doing it as much um, I'd say this structure has helped their defence a little bit because they defended well against Ireland um, in that first 60 minutes uh, and, and competed at the breakdown really well and I think they're making better decisions so it helps defensively but I completely agree with Aidan it, it just that Jouet thing really suits their mentality it suits their players I mean Fofana Hugé even Teddy Toma unfortunately he was injured but unfortunately for France rather uh, he was injured but it suits them to have a little bit of unstructured play but I think Ireland did well to limit it until the 60 minute mark when they lost a player uh, Roy Best to the bin Aidan, what's your overall assessment of Ireland over the two games in the Six Nations so far? Now that we've got a break, I suppose we can take a step back and assess it because the next game isn't until Sunday week. Yeah, I, I mean, the first game is always a lottery. You don't know what's what's coming. You don't know what's the, what's the state of the nation. Um, and I think we're in good stead. I, you know, I, I think Ireland are have to be one of the favourites now. And um, they're going to they're have... The, the thing with Joe Schmidt, I find, is you're gonna, he puts in players that are not necessarily always the best player, but the best player for the team. And he, he goes after attitude over skill and over reputation. And we saw that with Simon Zebo. We talked about that before, Oshin, that he's brought Zebo on so much in his career where he actually was hard on him, and that actually made him a better player. And those things are coming together, and Ireland are winning. And, you know, one of the big t- changes, I think, in, in Irish rugby in the last while is the belief. There, the belief used to not be there. You know, used to go and we'll compete for 60 minutes, mm. but it's France after all. There's no fear anymore. There's absolutely no fear. That's come up through the academies. That's come up through the players. And that's why we're winning time and time again. Murray, I, just I, yeah, I think what, talking about that personnel, it's really interesting. You look at thirteen. Jared Payne's a guy who I think a number of fans are probably highlighting that. Oh, you know, we get Keith Earls or get Luke Fitzgerald in there. Two brilliant individuals who can uh, open up a defence, and maybe that's what Ireland are missing a little bit. But Jared Payne is a really um, intelligent player, and he can play to that structure that Smith, Schmidt wants. He defends really well. He's a big guy, makes his tackles, carries the ball well into contact, and doesn't get turned over. Um, so you maybe they are lacking that little bit of flair or X factor in, in a attack and you'd worry that they can't break down really structured defences without those power plays that Schmidt is coming up with but at the same time Payne is working perfectly in that system that Schmidt wants so that's a, it's a really good point by Aidan and it kind of highlights those trademark uh, selections by Schmidt This is the Rewind on News Talk Hope all as well, you can contact us at any stage on Monday Rewind at Newstalk.com Still to come, hurling and Gaelic football but first the Champions League returns this week Chelsea go to Paris Saint-Germain for the first leg of their round of 16 tie on Tuesday night. I've been speaking to former Ireland and Everton player Kevin Kilban and started by asking if Chelsea will do in this game, tactically wise, or tactics wise, what they've been doing in the Premier League all the way along. They've been very impressive for me uh, this season, Chelsea. Um, I, the the calibre of players that they've got, um, the, stat, the, the, the style of play that they use as well, very, very high pressurised game. We, I, I think Jose Mourinho can can change his tactics, certainly for different 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 teams. And he certainly did that last season against against PSG over the two legs. I think he was excellent over uh, they were excellent Chelsea over the, over the two legs, particularly in, in the in the home leg at Stamford Bridge. So I think overall, I think we're seeing a really strong Chelsea side that have got a real chance of going on to win it this season. Albeit, you know the the, the calibre of the side that's in there, but I think I think Chelsea have got a really good good chance of winning it this year. Now, last week, Everton almost snuck a draw and could have actually snuck a win at Stamford Bridge. You're all side, of course. Yeah. Um, did we see in that game how much Chelsea need Diego Costa? Are they just that bit different, that bit more incisive when he's there? I, I think that's fair comment. I think, uh, yeah, that's fair comment. I mean, I, I mean, I was at the game last week at Stamford Bridge and I felt, as you say, Everton could have, certainly could have gone in front. If, 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 if Everton would have won the game, I think it would have been, um, it would have been against a run of play for, for, for long, long times. But, what Chelsea did on the night, I think they grinded a result out, and that's what uh, essentially what Jose Mourinho was saying after the game. It, 
champions need to grind out results. And this is why, particularly, we might we might see Chelsea being less um, less elaborate when they go to PSG. But I think you're going to see a PSG side that's going to go right for them. So I think that's what's going to make Chelsea very very explosive on the counter attack. I think that's what we might see Chelsea being 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 really good at in tonight's game. But overall, I think. Jose Mourinho has got experience. He's won the Champions League twice. He's he's, uh, he's won titles all over Europe with various clubs he's been at. So this is a very intriguing tie. What about Felipe Luis? He is a player that Jose Mourinho seems to like. Would you agree? Oh, oh, I, I'd have him all day long. He, I think he's a, I think he's a wonderful player. I really do. I think he's got so much pace. He's quick, uh, strong, good in the air. He, he he loves the physical battle as well. Um, Jose Mourinho feels as though he's harshly treated with the, with the three-match ban uh, that was given to him for, for the stamp uh, on Emre Shan. But I felt it was justified. I think it was one of those that it's part of his nature, it's part of his makeup. But he's going to get these suspensions along the way. But in many respects, um, Diego Costa is everything Jose Mourinho is off the pitch. So he he kind of brings Jose Mourinho onto the pitch, and I think that's why Jose Mourinho likes him so much. That's why he went out on the limb to get him. And overall, I think. Um, Diego Costa, as you say, he's, he's massively missed when, when he doesn't play for Chelsea. But when he comes back into the side, certainly for this Champions League game, I think um, I think he'll make the real difference. Now, one of the interesting ties this week also is Manchester City against Barcelona. Have City finally shaken their Champions League jitters? I know they've got to this stage before, but in the Champions League, I don't think we've seen the best of them, have we? Yeah, Manchester City, they've stuttered the way um, to qualification. I, I, it was quite fortunate at the end how they, they managed to beat um, Bayern Munich that had already qualified uh, to get themselves through. Of course, they've got Sergio Aguero who hasn't been in the best of form since coming back from injury but the couple of goals again that he scored last week against uh, against Stoke will, will certainly help him. This is another game that you look at it and you think Manchester City have got a real chance of progressing but Barcelona themselves are in great form. They're in real, real top form in, in La Liga over the last um, 20 games or so. So I think this will be it'll be a tough game. I think you know we know of Messi, we know of Suarez, we know of Neymar. They've got real talent within within Barcelona ranks. But again, City have got to start um, start stepping up to the mark in Europe, which is something that they haven't done. So I think the, the onus is on Pellegrini's men to really uh, really take the game to um, to Barcelona, particularly in the home fixture. And just before I let you go, Arsenal up against Monaco. There should be no excuses for Arsenal here. This quite simply is a tie they have to get through. Yeah, again, I, I think it's a big chance. And Monaco have been quite poor this season. Of course, letting Falcao go, letting uh, James Rodriguez go as well, two, two of the best players from last season. Monaco aren't as strong as, as they were last season. Haven't been in the best form uh, domestically as well. So you can see Arsenal, particularly with the form they've been showing over the last six, eight weeks, whatever it would be, you think that, uh, that Arsenal should really come through this game. And uh, I think they'll go on to progress. Yeah, I do. Okay, Kevin Kilban, thanks for joining us, and I'm looking forward yeah. to seeing you on TV3 uh, for their Champions League coverage. Brilliant, yeah. And don't forget the, the, the biggest Champions League games on Tuesday night only on TV3. This is the Rewind on News Talk. Hope you're well. You can contact us on any stage on Monday Rewind at Newstalk.com. More soccer later with Rafti Diallo of Team 33, but that was uh, Kevin Kilban right there. Hurling now in the opening weekend of the Allianz League didn't disappoint with wins for Kilkenny, Galway, and Dublin in 1B Offaly beat Leash 124 to 23 points in a good close encounter in Port Leash while Wexford beat Antrim and Limerick and Waterford played out a 216 to 22 points draw in the Gaelic grounds that was on Saturday night we'll hear from the meeting on Shannon's side shortly but first the surprise of the weekend which wasn't so much that Dublin beat Tipperary in Parnell Park because Parnell Park is a tough place for teams to go to in the league Kilkenny lost there last year for example but the manner of defeat maybe surprised a lot of people particularly those from the Premier remember they only lost the All-Ireland by the puck of a ball last year anyway 220 to 14 points the final score after the game I got the analysis of former Tip goalkeeper Ken Hogan but first here is Tipperary manager Eamon O'Shea and Dublin boss Jerk Cunningham. Yeah, very happy. Uh, you know, great to see a uh, big crowd out on the pitch there now, looking, having something to cheer and celebrate. But um, you know, delighted. First day, you know, we're trying to build a build a fortress up here in Dublin. Where, you know, people coming up here know they're going to get a good game. You know, and uh, great start. You know, all we can ask is two points. But uh, early days, but we're heading out to Northern Park next Sunday. <laughs> That'll be tough. They had a good win against Cork. The spine of your team played well. Mick Carton did well at fullback. Told me he never played there before this season, but he's loving it. Peter Kelly, brilliant at centre back. Connell Keeney dropped deep, did very well, won a lot of ball. Liam Rush in the forwards 
got a great goal at the end, but created a beauty for Eamon Dillon in the first half. Yeah, yeah. Look, we've asked guys to not just to you know to, to, to be open with the in relation to we're picking a team that we've got guys that um, plenty of fellas to to look at in different positions. You know, all these guys can play. If they're hurling, and you're not tight to playing in the same position. And uh, you know, I, I know Mikey could play there, and I know Peter and Connell can play in different positions. You know, and I think, but I think a lot of teams are doing it. Yeah. Not just us. I think Tip had a few experiments as well, playing Brendan Maher centre forward. I think just people looking at different things in the league and see where to build for the championship. Yeah. Eamon O'Shea, Tipperary manager. Yeah. It just didn't really happen for you today. No, 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 no. They were the better team. They were the better team, and uh, you know that's the way it goes sometimes. Why do you think that was? Sure, we, we tried to work that out in a while, but sure, look, we, the, in terms of in terms of, I don't know where they're at and where we're at, you know, but they they were just a better team today, you know. There's no other other thing I can say. You'd named Bonnermar to start at centre forward. Yeah. He couldn't. Did that affect your game plan? Because he seems to be key to what you do in attack. Ah, no, 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 no. We we knew that for all the week. So okay. he he he's been out since last week. Yeah. yeah. Did you do a lot of physical heavy training? Because yeah, there was we're, times we're doing a bit of training, but no more than any other team. You know, I, I wouldn't be using any excuses. You know what I mean? I just think one team won, the other team lost. Uh, you know, and it's it's a case that we have to go back and see what our preparation has been like. You know, and, and evaluate what we're doing. Physically, were they on top in the game? Did that? Yeah, was that they, a big they were. Yeah, they were. Yeah, no, they they had more desire to, to win the ball and uh, at this stage. You know, but uh, you know, um, you know, I wouldn't rule us out yet. You know. But it's only the first game of the first league. Game of the yeah, league yeah. And that's so, right and proper. So hoping, hope, we're hoping we get something from it. Ken Hogan, Tipperary lose 220 to 14 points against Dublin. A poor display from the Premier. Yeah, poor display, Oshin, all over. Uh, from the very word go, uh, we just weren't in the game. Uh, we scored two pints from freeze in the first quarter of the game. That's just not enough at this level. Uh, Dublin seemed to get on top from the very word go. Their aerial ability to play Conal Kinney at the back. He's, he was outstanding. He was my man in the match, Conal Kinney, because he dominated in every facet of the play, aerial, physical exchanges, and actually took Shane McGrath in out of the game just before half time and got, was lucky that maybe it could have been could have been borderline red because he came into his back. But having said that, Dublin were up for the game. We weren't. The manner of the manner of the defeat, I suppose, is what will worry Tipperary more than than actually the defeat in itself. It was a comprehensive defeat. Uh, Liam Rush finished it off in style. Tremendous goal at the end. Now we have to go back to the drawing cards, I suppose over to Turles next Sunday, home game for us. And as I said already, you need to be winning your home games to even stay in the division, never mind qualify. So Tip and Galway now takes on a bigger stage next Sunday for, for us. You're obviously looking at it from a Tip point of view. Patrick Maher was named to start, he didn't. That would have affected Tipperary because he's so key to their game plan. Yeah, he is the key. And I was so disappointed he didn't start because of the fact that uh, his ball winning ability, his honesty, and his ability to bring other players into play. and. Uh, we started with Brennan in the middle of the field. Then, obviously, he went to wing forward. James Woodlock went back to his more natural habitat in the middle. Um, Brendan Maher and these guys would have needed Bonner there to try and instigate things, to make things happen. There was nobody making things happen. Bar, Joe DeWire, who unfortunately got injured, playing at number two, and Bubbles at number 13, his first cousin. They were the plus players for Tip today. But other than that, we seem to be out of the game. We seem to be heavy-footed. That can come down maybe to heavy training, maybe to preparation. Obviously, Tipperary uh, are a few weeks behind everybody else, but so were Kilkenny, and last night Kilkenny came out and had a comprehensive win over Cork. Let's praise Dublin because they deserve it. Danny Sutcliffe did well in midfield, scoring two points from play. And Michael Carton was very solid at fullback. Peter Kelly solid in front of him. Liam Rush good at... Well, he was named at 14, but he came out to the half-forward line at times. And Conal Keeney, as we say, named at wing forward, but dropped deep and won a lot of possession. Those were big calls by Jerk Cunningham. Maybe not so much with Colin Keeney because we had seen him do it before. And Liam Rush has played in the forwards before but had established himself as a centre-back. There were calls that worked though. Yeah, you're after naming five or six outstanding players there. And remember, uh, Russell Carroll got injured early on in the game. Ryan Edouard came into the game. Worked very hard in the middle of the field in the half-forward line area. But uh, I taught myself that Danny Sutcliffe in the middle of the field, he was you know, fleet-footed. He enjoyed the space in Parnell Park and he took his points with aplomb. Dublin have a lot to work on there. Gerald will be very happy. McCaffrey was in the si- on the, on the sideline. You know, Ryan Dwyer was on the sideline. Good forwards, Dotsie O'Callaghan on the sideline. So he's a bit of competition for places as well. So, I mean, from Dublin's point of view, what a start. To win by 12 points against uh, the All-Ireland finalist. And it looks augurs well. And Ger needed that. You know, his first game, big game in charge. He needed that burst. And now he has the confidence and the trust of the players and they will obviously repay that on the pitch This is the Rewind on News Talk and that was former tip player Ken Hogan on a poor performance by the Premier at Parnell Park It's Galway at home next Sunday for tip 
and the tribesmen go into that game off the back of a 215 to 117 victory over Clare. That game taking place at Pierce Stadium. We hear from the banner camp and selector Michael Brown shortly. He also explains to us, by the way, why Davy Fitzgerald didn't do any media duties post game. Uh, first, though, it's Galway boss Anthony Cunningham. So we showed a lot of character there with five minutes to go. Um, it was, you know, it looked like a draw, or, you know, that we were slipping slightly, but we showed that bit of fight there in the finish that we were looking for, and uh, that's what we want to bring through to the championship this year. Yeah, mixed day for Jason from the place balls. I think he missed four in the first half, but to nail that 65 at the end and followed by the free from the right hand side, and that probably tells a lot about him as well. Yeah, and I think. Uh, he's long free there into the mouth of the goals just before that uh, he's a brilliant marksman a young player coming through and uh, a great stick man and uh, you know sure great bottle there but uh, he has the talent so it's great to see it in a stage like this What was your feeling coming into the game was you were missing eight guys before throwing and then you lost Fergal as well overall given the resources that were not there today you must have been very pleased by how the lads stood up yeah, well we played very well last Saturday night against Dublin I think they had a big win today as well so we knew the form was good uh, we trained very hard and I suppose these young players are going to put awful pressure on uh, the, you know, the experienced players that Galway have, have, have seen for the last number of years and that's what we want yeah. a little bit of a moment there is a debut obviously wasn't happy that the free was given at the end and you seemed to be involved there at the end as well what, what, the referee as he was leaving the field where you just happened to be in that place at that time or what was going on there uh, there was nothing I just went over and sh- as, as we do after the match shake hands and said we'll see you one of the days and you know it's, it's onwards so there was no comments really from, from Davey or for anybody really that's, uh, that, that's matches for you Michael that was one that could have gone either way ultimately why did, do you think it didn't go your way well, I mean, um, twice in the second half we got three points ahead and when you do that, you need to get that other one or two to widen the gap. We didn't do that. Ultimately, if you leave a team in a game in their home ground in front of a big crowd, all of whom are uh, cheering them on, you know, uh, the danger is that what happened might happen and unfortunately for us it did. It was a very slow start in the first half from Clare, a blistering start to the second half. What was the difference, do you think, in terms of why you approached the game at the start of these two different halves? It was very, very much two different extremes. And would you believe it? There was no difference in the preparation for either half from our point of view. It's just, you know, it's a first league game. I know it's that for, Gal- for Galway as well, but having said that, they've been through a bit of a Linster campaign, which probably makes them that little mm-hmm. bit sharper. So it's the first real contest for us, you could say, since we were beaten by Wexford up in Wexford Park, and that seems like about three years ago, even though you know, it's not even one year, but it seems like a long time ago. So, um, you know, it was inevitable that we were going to be a little bit slow off out of the blocks. Uh, there was no change in the way in which we prepared them for either half. It was just how the players responded to it. A number of occasions in both halves, Galway seemed to have one-off runners in a huge amount of space that just weren't been picked up. But is that something that definitely has to be worked on ahead of the visit to Cork on Saturday night? Absolutely, because Cork will do exactly the same thing to us. And can I say that we had worked on it, even though you wouldn't think it, but we had worked on it. But again, I think it comes back to the fact that we hadn't had a competitive game for so long. You know, it takes guys a good while to tune into and to pick up on the runners. And, you know, I mean, it was inevitable that guys are fighting for their places and concerned about where they'll be in the Months time or six months time or whatever, so um, I think you know this game will bring us on a lot. I know we're extremely disappointed, and I can tell you, extremely disappointed because we did not come up here to lose it. But having said that, uh, I think we can take a number of positives from it, and uh, I think the, the big positive will be that it is a really good competitive game under our belt, which will help us. But then Cork have exactly the same from last night, so it'll be an interesting tussle. In the end, it was a fantastic free from Jason Flynn that I guess anyone would have to admire, but Davy clearly wasn't happy with the awarding of it. And I, I, I noticed it's you were speaking to rather than Davy after the game. Mm. I mean, wh- what was his feeling on, on the, the ultimately the call that decided this game? Well, I'd imagine if you interviewed every clearman or woman or child who was in the stand, I'd say you'd find that 95% of them would have said it wasn't a free. If you interviewed the Galway people, I think you'd find equally there was 95% of them would say that it was. I, I really don't have an opinion on it, to be perfectly honest, because the referee has to make these calls. It's not easy for him under pressure, you know, under all, all those eyes looking at him. Um, obviously, as a clearman, I didn't think it was a free, but he said it was, so therefore it is. And uh, in relation to Jason Flynn, you couldn't but admire the way he took that free. He had missed a few earlier on in the game and uh, I mean it took fair nerve to stand up over that ball in a very difficult position under a lot of pressure and a lot of stuff going on around him as well and he fairly held his nerve and put it straight over the black spot so uh, super free taker and a super free well, Hard luck today and thanks for talking No bother, thank you Can I just make one comment you want to hold for a second there Just you did mention that uh, you noticed that it was me you were talking to and not Davy. Okay, so I just want to pick you up on that 
Uh, there are three of us on this management team, Louis Mulqueen, David Fitzgerald and myself. And uh, when we sat down initially back uh, last autumn uh, to share out uh, the responsibilities, mm. what we decided was that we would equally share the media duties. So you will be interviewing each one of the three of us at different stages throughout the year. Hopefully we'll stay in the championship long enough for that to happen. But uh, it's not that Davy is not in any way shirking uh, any kind of interviews. It's just that I've been designated initially. You'll find Louis will be coming out after a while. Then you'll find Davy will come and then you'll find it will revert back again. So uh, it's it just it's, we're running the show a little bit different. We mm. have joint captains this year as well. You know, we've cha- made a few number of changes like that. And this is another one of them. So And again, the preparation of the team on match day and so on will rotate around from one selector to the other. So it's just we're being, uh, I wonder is the word democratic? Anyway, no, listen, we look story. forward to it. And thanks for clearing that up. Cheers, Michael. No bother. Thank you. This is the Rewind on News Talk, and that was Anthony Cunningham, the Galway manager, and Michael Brown of Clare uh, on their defeat to Galway at Pierce Stadium yesterday. A dramatic ending it was as well. Uh, both men spoke to Dave McIntyre, who was also in Porky Rin on Saturday night to watch Kilkenny beat Cork 122 to 217. Interestingly enough, that was Brian Cody's first ever win as Kilkenny senior boss in Porky Rin. Granted, it was his first ever visit there as well. Normally when they play Cork in Cork, it's on in Porky Cueve. Anyway, here is the reaction of Jimmy Barry Murphy and Brian Cody. It was obviously a good, good performance. You know, we were coming down to be as competitive as humanly possible. But uh, hoping to win the game as well. Like, you know, the lads have played themselves very well. And, you know, we, got, we were competitive from the start of the game and they kept at it. And, you know, we, we had a good win. Obviously, Richie stole the headlines with his whole of 11 points. But he, he complimented the likes of Mark Kelly in there. John Joe Farrell as well, who wouldn't have a huge amount of experience. It just seemed the guys were looking to send you a message in the absence of the other fellas who aren't around. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the opportunity. When opportunity arises for fellas, that's what they have to do. You know, that's, that's the real realise as well that we're not hung up on you know having certain players have to play nobody has to play like you out and you're in your position you're in your, you're in your spot and like I said I mean Richie Hogan led, it, led, led the team very very well up there you know and you know all the players responded very very well How difficult a couple of months has it been for you knowing the amount of guys who retired knowing you would be without the Ballyhale guys and a couple of long term injuries has it been an awkward say six weeks or so you're trying to build for this league I wouldn't think so no I mean because I mean we don't focus too much on players we have missing because there's no point in doing that you know because we have to be kind of positive about the thing and have a confidence in the players who were there they're all around the panel they all have just competitive situation out there and you know it was a tough time with, with, um, we had a few personal tragedies and family tragedies down there that kind of you know distracted everybody from the game and rightly so so we had an opportunity to play competitive games but I mean the, the effort in training as ever has been genuine and honest to that and they just brought that honesty to the game tonight yeah, it's always disappointing to lose your first home game, and uh, but I think on, on the overall balance of play, we didn't deserve to win tonight. We made too many mistakes. We were a lot of our players all over the field were beaten too many times for the ball. They won breaking ball, they won ball in the air over us, and I think from that point of view, they were well deserved winners. Well, yeah, we lost completely in the third quarter. I didn't think we played that well in the first half either. To be honest, we were hanging in there, but I mean, I just I just have to look at it again. But I think overall, they we have to be very disappointed with our overall display. Because I mean, anyone looking at the game and knows anything about the game would realise that they have a great pool of talent in Kenny. They've been very su- successful under age level and minor and under one level. So all these players have played in Croke Park, have played in the league before. So they're they're not bad players. They, this myth that goes wrong that they were weaker tonight. Well, they, they were they had a lot of players missing, but it shows now that they're always going to be contenders. I think we could have snuck it, but we wouldn't have deserved it. I think the lads show great spirit at least. That's something that we can be positive about. What about a couple of the positional experiments, Jimmy? Starting Aiden on the wing and Pat Cronin in the midfield. How do you think they worked out? Um, well, if you look at the game again, as I said, um, I wouldn't be overly happy with a lot of the, a lot of the players, not just those two players. I mean, all over the field, I felt a lot of didn't play to, the, to their potential side certainly that's a fact I think in the forward line the first touch seemed to let them down three or four times there were goal chances on and just that extra touch required seemed to just the chance was, was gone then. yeah or the final pass didn't go to hand and then we lost the chance the chance went away then we got probably got a lucky break with one of the goals certainly but from that point of view I mean um, we didn't create enough goal chances certainly had you seen any of that in the build up to the game or did it take by surprise to some well, this, extent this time of year it's very hard to tell with the weather conditions we've had and try and train we've done as much training as we've done and we've worked quite hard to get try and get to the level we thought we'd be at tonight but I have to say that overall um, as I said all over the field we weren't happy tonight this is the rewind on news talk and that was Brian Cody and a very disappointed Jimmy Barry Murphy speaking after Saturday's win for Kilkenny over Cork. A Limerick and Waterford drew in the Gaelic grounds, 216 to 22 points, the final score of that uh, game. TJ Ryan, the Limerick boss, and Derek McGrath, the Waterford manager, spoke after the game. First, it's McGrath on Poddy Prendergast and the equalising score he got. Uh, he also talks about Leash, who they play next weekend, and how he feels that despite the fact that Waterford would be favourites for that game, he feels that Manny and the O'Moore squad would actually have more experience than his team, making them... Dangerous opponents. Delight for Paulie because tough week with UCC going out. If it's given, it's a massive competition for the lads that are involved at colleges level. So it's great for him to go. You know, it's a week is a long time in Ireland. Never mind, say a couple of days. So 
Yeah, Paddy, despondent the weekend or during the weekend, and the winner tonight or the equaliser tonight, if you like. But look, we've loads to work on. We'd be, I think, it's very hard to analyse it now straight away. But I think in the cold light of day, you probably concede two penalties, and you know you're, you know, I'm very happy with with the overall effort of the team, which is all we're asking for. You know, hard work and and. You know, I think we ended up with 521s on the field, so you know, Keane Lynch, I think, was the only 121 for Limerick. So, look, we're happy with how hard we worked. That's the main thing, you know. Well, what was your view on, on the second penalty? It really seemed to bring Limerick right back in contention. It seemed like to, to play it, to continue down. Noel Connors had blocked the shot. What was your view of the incident? Yeah, I think what it was it was just, a, I suppose, it's just the, the referee taking the new interpretation on the, on the advantage rule. It looked like, you know, to, to the absolute letter of the law. So, we no real qualms there. In fairness, you know, it looked like he was just bringing it back and playing the advantage. So, I think we got a couple of frees in the first half that were, you know, uh, I suppose, based on that particular advantage rule. But yeah, we've no qualms with the referee. We thought he did a good game. He left the flow and. Everyone knew how, where they stood on the field, and we're just delighted with the overall effort. But we have a massive game next week, particularly given the fact that Offaly have won. And I think Leash would have, uh, kind of amongst themselves, they would have said that they underperformed against us in Welsh Park. And it's my view, and it's my honest view, and it might go down well in Waterford, is that there's little or nothing between any of the teams in Wunby. And that's my honest opinion. In actual fact, I think that some of the, some of the players that Leash have are probably more experienced and down the road. Uh, further than us in terms of strength and conditioning, in terms of uh, physical development, and it's very hard for us, I suppose, to, to follow up a reasonable performance tonight next week. You know, when when people sometimes get carried away with a, with a performance like like, well, like we had tonight, we, ultimately we didn't get the win, so we came here for two points, we didn't get it, so we won't call it failure, but we, we'll call it the fact that we, you know we just want to continue to work hard. We want the people to walk behind us. I know there's a certain. Someone said to me there's a bit of an apathy there for Waterford hurling at the moment, but I can assure you these lads, the, the 34 or 5 lads that are on the panel, are just working hard for Waterford and for each other and for their families and clubs, and that's what we want to continue to do, to drive that into them. And we've good for good lads, well-behaved lads, and, and sounds very teacher-like to say that, but that's, yeah. that's what we have. And we're, just, you know, we're playing and fighting for each other and fighting for the jersey on our backs, and it might sound old school to say that, but that's what we're doing, and we're doing it every time we go out in the field. Credit Waterford, I suppose they came back. I thought that the last ball there should have been ours, lame ball, like, but look, they're joyous in hurling, aren't they? Must have been disappointed with the opening half after getting such a great start. After I scored you 14.7 after that, but you picked up certainly in the second half. Yeah, we started well with the goal, but after that, definitely Watford kind of better team in the first half and 4.7 and a half time. Played, kind of played in fits and starts, but certainly the second half performance was definitely encouraging and around the pitch, like we won a lot of the battles. And I mean, that would have been good. I suppose disappointing from our point of view is we went ahead, like to have hung on and won, but look, do you know what I'm saying? Everything's still in our own hands. A bit like last year, no? It's a, it's a carbon copy of last year, really, isn't it? It is, yeah, yeah, yeah. So look. I, suppose to, to, I, I, I think there might be one or two more twists and turns in this league. There's competitive games, you know what I'm saying? Like next week again, now for us, we've got to go all the way to Belly Castle. It's a tough game. Just got to go and prepare for that now. What's the injury report ahead of the Antrim game, TJ? And what's the position of, TJ, of um, Gavin O'Mahony? Uh, Gavin's going back to his club now. Like I said, that, that, that was the agreement, in fairness. He was, he, he was excellent tonight, and I said we thankfully came out of the club for that. Um, so we got we got to assess it during the week. We'll be hoping that um, um, Shane Dowling will definitely be back, I think, um, through the week. And maybe Declan Hannan might be available as well like so um, that's about the size of it at the moment I'd like to have won it but look do you know what I'm saying we didn't lose it this is the Rewind on News Talk and that was Derek McGrath and TJ Ryan speaking to WLRFM and Limerick's Live at 95 following their draw on Saturday night Gaelic football now and this weekend Cara Finn overcame champion St Vincent's 114-19 to in the All-Ireland Club semi-final at Derry side Schlott Neal despite a very poor start against Austin Stacks won 114-210 to in Port Leash on Sunday Reaction from both games now with Cara Finn manager Stephen Rochford as well as some of his players along with uh, St Vincent's centre-back Ger Brennan but first here is Austin Stacks boss Stephen Stack speaking to Radio Kerry and he well couldn't hide his disappointment after the game even if he wanted to which to be fair he didn't. It wasn't the finish, was it? One point. One point, Jesus Christ. Um, it was very tough, really. Like, you know, I mean, you know, I suppose we, 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 we opened the game very well. We elected to play with the win because we thought that the way they played it would be important to try and get ahead. And uh, I thought after about 15 minutes, we were in a good position. Um, you know, the one area that they have been very good at throughout the years is around the diamond area. And uh, I think they got themselves back into the game before half time when they kind of dominated us around the middle a little bit. Not through clean catching, actually through winning breaks. Because I thought we were smart enough with our kick outs early in the game. We didn't want to be kicking the ball out to their two midfielders who've been very good for them all year. And, uh, 
you know, in the second half, it could have gone either way. Just, you know, to kick of a ball effectively in it. And, uh, but I'll tell you one thing, Gary, I, I, I'm unbelievably proud of these fellas. I, I thought they'd manned up today, facing into the teeth of a wind in the second half. They played brilliant, brilliant football. And, uh, look, there was only a kick of a ball. I thought we probably deserved the draw at the end of the day. But, look, we got our chance. And, you know, okay, Shane missed it, but Shane had a great game for us today. So I wouldn't be fault, I wouldn't fault any of them. I think they'd, you know, they certainly have asked them before to, go out in the field and leave their shields upon it and certainly they came back into the dressing room upon their shields today they might have been successful but I'm incredibly proud of them anyway Stephen and the two goals he got, I mean the two penalties he got there were long balls that was going down he was causing serious racket inside but of course as you mentioned with the with the elements in the wind he had to change it he couldn't go for that tactic in the second half well uh, we, we tried to keep him in there for as long as we could Gary and we really we only moved him out in the second half I suppose in the last, maybe in the last eight or nine minutes when, when, when we had to go after the game but we kept him there for as long as we could and uh, you know he, I mean, he got his two penalties and I'll tell you he deserved to get his two penalties and in my view a lot more as well because he was you know he, he he was being manhandled quite a lot off the ball as well, apart from that. But anyway, look, I suppose that's what the game is about. But, uh, you know, Kieran has been brilliant for us this year. He's been a great leader. Um, you know, he, he's going to be very, very good for Kerry. But as I say again, Gary, I'm, I'm amazingly proud of him. It was only our second defeat in 15 months when you consider the pacing that we got from Crokes, you know, in what was in October 2013 to roar back the way they did and put ourselves in the position, you know, to be a point or two away from getting into an All-Ireland final. That shows some character. And our fellas have incredible character and I'm very proud of him. And the referee blows the full-time whistle and Currafin are on their way to Crow Park. They've beaten the champion St. Vincent's 114 to 1-9. What a display from their full forward line who got 1-11 between them. Stephen, you led Currafin to the All-Ireland Club final. First of all, how does that feel? Uh, relief slash delighted. Um, obviously coming up to play um, an All-Ireland semi-final against the All-Ireland champions. Uh, it was always just about getting across the line. Um, that might sound like a cliche, but... Uh, anybody that's been looking at Vincent's over the last two years know that you know you've got to perform very well to be competitive with them. Never mind just win the game. So you know, delighted to get the result. Your game plan worked perfectly. Now, did you have an advantage in some ways in the fact that Vincent's had been on TV so much in the last couple of years, and you know they'd got to the finals and people had seen them a lot. So you had seen a lot more of them than they maybe had of ye. Yeah, um, yeah, maybe so. I mean. Um, did we? I, I don't think we overly focused on on Vincent's, but you know yeah. we look. Ger Brennan, Jim McConley, their household yeah. names. I think yeah. any county team in the in the country, any supporter of Gaelic football, sees what those guys bring to the game. So you know we had to be conscious around trying to negate their influence as much as possible, and at the same time, you know, trying to play to the levels that had got us to to to, to, to this position. And I thought we went about that pretty well. How did you negate those players that you just mentioned? Um, I think look, our, our, our main thing was that we were looking to move the ball at pace. Uh, we were looking to avoid uh, bringing us into the tackle. Um, you know, you've got a you've got a half back line there of uh, Brendan Egan and Mike Concar on one side uh, or on each side, and and Gerbrin at centre back. I think if you try to get into a physical battle there, you're only getting uh, caught out. Uh, we knew then, you know, we identified probably the threats that Shane Carthy and Mossy Quinn and Jerry McConley had had ratched up over the the, the previous um, games. And, and, you know, I, I think, you know, we, we were conscious around that if we could really look to tie them down yeah. um, and at the same time try and play the game with pace uh, and, and open up into the spaces, that it would give us a real fighting chance. Now you've broken a lot of unwritten rules of GA by a full forward line scoring 111. They're not supposed to do that. They're supposed to get back and defend. Well, they're supposed <laughs> to do that as well. Uh, believe you me. And we'll, we'll no, well, my point is that like, you don't usually see full forward lines contributing that much given the way football has gone. Yeah, um, look... Maybe we're, we're blessed that we have a, a natural playing for yeah. forward line. And, you know, maybe that, that's, that's the point I'm, I, was, I was trying to make, that we're trying to play, trying to play to our strengths. You know, we've got pace and we've got good footballers in there. Um, but you don't get to that point without doing the hard work and the slog beforehand. And that is the tackling. And it isn't, it isn't necessarily pretty. Um, but if you don't set the foundation, you haven't got a chance to, to get the ball into those guys and for them then to express themselves. Michael Lundy dropped deep an awful lot and created a lot of scores and got a lot of scores. Four from play. Yeah, well, Mike was um, Mike was out in the ferries for for a bit of holidays around uh, around Christmas and that, and uh, we knew he was well rested and that he was too. Uh, that, you know, we expected him to to yeah. touch to every every blade of grass in Tullamore. And I think you know maybe that alludes to your previous point that in the natu- in the in the modern game you got to have guys that are just able to move and be flexible in the corner forward to go to corner back. Uh, if if that necessitates, um, and at times Ian Burke was was back in her own half back line in the second half because that's that's what it takes 
Uh, but Michal was, you know, he was, he was a leader. He has been, he was, he was showed that for Galway last year in, in the summer. Uh, but look at our full back line. Uh, I look at Liam Silk there, 20 years of age, uh, Mark and Jim McConnelly. Uh, I thought he did a fantastic job. But from 1 to 15 and the, and, the, and the four guys that came on, you know, they all had to put their shoulder to the wheel. And I know that sounds a little bit cliche, cliche but that's what we had to do. And, and when you know when you were playing the All-Ireland Champions, it was going to be nothing less. And Martin Farrer got 1-2. Wasn't even in the panel last year. Yeah, Martin's 19. He suffered from a bit of a back problem actually uh, last year. But um, look, great talent, uh, great pace. Um, you know, he was playing with GMIT this year in the Sigerson Cup. So, you know, he had been... The word isn't seasoned, but he, he was used to a physical pace game. So, you know, I, I, I no worries about Martin. We'll enjoy tonight because I think in this competition, the club championship, it's such a special competition. Uh, part of the guys get home tonight. They celebrate it with their family, their friends, because uh, this is a great footballing community. They're really proud of their football and it's a pleasure to be working with them. But come tomorrow, uh, we'll regroup. Uh, a badge of us will be in Port Leash um, and we'll get back to training and... To be honest, Oshin, it wasn't about winning necessarily uh, any previous game, but winning the All-Ireland Final. And we're there. Now we got to go and, and deliver a performance. Did you prove something in the last two games? Because you'd been so dominant in the games before that. Seven-point win over Tier Connell Gales, Gales, but it was, it was tight for a long while. And of course, today you were up against Vincent's and it was a five-point margin, but it was neck and neck mainly throughout the game. Yeah, um, I, I mean, look... We, we've been proven maybe things, you know, since Ballantover. Yeah. Um, I don't think, I, it's outside of our control what yeah. people say or what people uh, do. We know that the only people that we have to be sort of confident and forceful with is ourselves yeah. uh, and be honest, you know, that, that we give everything. And that's what we've been doing. Um, yeah, our full forward line scores one ten, but it's the work out the field, it's the tackles. Um, and, you know, you know, London wasn't pretty by any means. Uh, but it was a game that we had to, you know, we had to dig out. And, you know, people might have been questioning, you know, did we have the character in that? And I can tell you when you're two points to one down, or sorry, lead by two points to one, excuse me, over in London, you know, you could have question marks thrown at you. But at any time, that group had made me feel, you know, there's more in us. This hasn't gone our way. We're going to find our way through it. And, you know, thankfully, when we hit the, the little bit of a bump there through the second half, we still finished strongly. And just before I let you go, because I know that the bus is waiting for you, you're across Malina, man. They've obviously got to the All-Ireland Final. Currafin have been there thereabouts before. How important is that experience? Um, I mean, none of the players in, in Currafin have played in it. Um, it. It might be important in the wider community, as I said, that you know, they've experienced that. Um, place won't go crazy. Yeah. Um, we won't allow the, 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 that to happen, certainly, with the players. Uh, my own experience, you know, uh, has served me well. And, you know, playing with that cross Malina team... Uh, you know, I've learned a lot that I've been able to take into into this uh, job. And, uh, you know, we're looking forward to Paddy's day. Best of luck. Thanks, Oshin. Joe Brennan of St. Vincent's, I really do appreciate you uh, talking to us. I know it's not easy to do it after, I suppose, such a devastating loss. Uh, cheers, Oshin. Uh, very disappointed, all right. Um, we didn't perform well in the day. Corfin and Berenson, they were, they were strong everywhere. Um, they were forced to the ball in many places. And um, I suppose defensively, there's uh, an awful lot. Uh, left to be desired in terms of our own performance and um, trying to curb their, their influence but um, I think certainly the better team won in the day and we've, uh, we've no, uh, no questions about that we can't say anything about that you know? Did they catch you by surprise because you, you didn't quite seem know, to know how to handle what they were doing? Well no we, 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 we prepared as we prepared for every game and we looked at their, their strengths and, and how they played was something that we did prepare for um, preparing for and uh, doing it are different things and today we do, didn't do it enough unfortunately um, and they made the most of their chances uh, every time they created an opportunity they were they were pretty accurate I don't think they hit very few eyes anyhow but uh, yeah we were just a bit flat today as a team and uh, parents score Finn they didn't allow us to play football either and uh, when they attacked they attacked well and they finished well There was a very important uh, time in the mid-twenties we'll say in the first half when they went up got a penalty missed it you went up got a penalty scored it but then a couple of minutes later maybe less than two they got the goal. Had you not conceded the goal then, do you think it might have been a very different game and you might have sparked a life? Well, I suppose look, you can look at the moments in a game the whole time um, where things could have gone your, gone your way. Um, had that uh, they not got their goals, we might have come in at half-time, maybe a point up. Instead, we came in two points down. But, uh, yeah, look, that's just the, the nature of sport. You can't focus too much on the particular areas. I, I think we were probably fortunate to get that goal. It was probably against the, game, the grain because we hadn't performed well in the first half. And, uh, 
I think Cora Fame are full deserving up here, two point lead in a half time. Given how long you've been on the road, was fatigue an issue today? Well, I think evidence will, will show we were a bit flat there today. Um, we would have prepared as well as uh, we had for other games, and uh, you know, hunger was never a question for our team. Um, we were just better by a better squad in the day. Um, I guess we never got going. We were probably only in second and third gear for the for the 60, 70 minutes out on the pitch, but. Uh, that was due to how Cora Finn didn't let us play football and how he punished us when they had it. Gary Sice, did you know that you were the only man outside of the full forward line to score for Cora Finn today? I didn't. and I, <laughs> I'm glad I didn't mind if Fitzy got 10 points today as long as we got through and we're going to Croker, so it's grand. Was it extremely tactical or was it a straight shootout? Because it looked like a shootout, but you seemed to have a game plan that was worked to perfection. Yeah, uh, Stephen sorted something out for us and we worked to it and we worked it and... When lads do what they're told and do what they're asked and work as hard as our lads did today, results will come and that's what worked out for us today. What were they told? What were they asked? Well, obviously the danger men that were there, Massey Quinn and, and Jeremy Connolly and these, and we have one or two things we work on all the time, but honesty was a big thing we talked about today and everyone gave an honest account of themselves. And when we do that, and we perform to our potential, we're usually, usually there thereabouts. How did you keep the likes of Dermot Connolly and Massey Quinn quiet? I've had the pleasure and the, the, the horrible experience of marking Liam Six throughout the year and believe you and me, Jeremy Connolly would have earned Anthony got today. Uh, we've got defenders very good defenders and they did their job and I thought like likes Gary Delaney and Mike Farrer tracking back as well really helped out so that's, that was it was down to work right and one eleven from your full forward line now you've been scoring big all year but Vincent's are something different aren't they they are yeah they, they have a set plan you don't get to this stage twice without having a set plan I thought Ian Burke and Martin Farrer were, were fantastic and Mike Lundy's Mike Lundy so fantastic today Mike Lundy had a great day in a linking sense yes he kicked four points from play but he seemed to be all over the park he seemed to be kind of the, the key man to unlock their defence yeah he's a live wire he's a live wire and he played good stuff today very intelligent footballer as well we're glad we have him now many people thought you wouldn't quite have the intensity level given that in the last couple of games with the exception maybe of the Tier Connell match you were so uh, dominant where did that intensity level come from how were you able to step it up for this as I said I'm Mark and Liam Silke training most evenings yeah. Um, we have a fantastic set of footballers and we have a fantastic work rate no one gets an inch of training doesn't matter who you are and what you've done you, you have to put your head down and do the work and I think that's stood to us so far this year and hopefully it'll stood to us another month now and you're on your way to Croke Park how does that feel? is not sunk in yet it's kind of it's the dream isn't it so yeah. we're going to Croker. it's nice to even say it it's grand looking forward to it now that all the reaction from the uh, All-Ireland Club football semi-finals taking place over the weekend the upshot of it all is that Corafin will play Schlott Neil of Derry in the final on St. Patrick's Day in Croke Park in the hurling decider by the way it's Ballyhill Sharmox against Kilmallock this is the Rewind on News Talk and we're joined by Raf Diallo of Team 33 and Off the Ball Raf, the Champions League this week returns uh, Paris Saint-Germain hosting Chelsea I guess that is the feature game PSG at home for the first leg yeah which is usually a disadvantage for for clubs uh, going into the knockout stages usually you'd like to go and put a solid performance away try and nick an away goal um, which is exactly what suits Chelsea coming up to this game because if we compare the two styles of the teams uh, Chelsea obviously they're in these type of big games they're a counter-attacking unit and it suits Mourinho perfectly fine and I think that's what he's going to go out and try to do whereas PSG are a type of team that will try and look to you know dominate possession and they have the type of players to try and do that and they can do that in France easily enough I imagine yes harder to do that against Chelsea but they've obviously done it well enough to get to this stage. Yeah, they have. Yeah, they did. They did well, quite well in the group. I mean, they were in a group of Barcelona and still managed to, you know, almost top the group. They just uh, they let it go in the in the kind of second game against Barca um, to finish second in the group, and that's how they ended up kind of ended ended up kind of playing Chelsea. The like just the pattern of the game. You're gonna what you're gonna see is probably PSG on the ball. Chelsea looking to hit them on the break as they can do so so well and the thing is PSG are really vulnerable at the moment because their form in Ligue 1 and just to give the context I think everybody knows they're quite a wealthy club they should be running away with the French League every season just based on you know the stars they have but they find themselves I think they're third in the league at the moment anyway they're you know they're not where they should be mm. they're behind Leon, a young Leon side who are just basically topping that table with a load of you know academy players and then Marseille of Marcelo Bielsa as well which is who uh, were running away with the league early in, earlier in the season but have kind of dropped off but they should be ahead of both of those teams on paper yet you know they drew at the weekend against Cayenne uh, might probably or Kane I don't know I'm probably pronouncing that completely wrong but uh, you know a smaller kind of minnow they drew 2-2 and they I think what happened was they dropped uh, they dropped or they lost two goals when they really shouldn't have and 
you look at the pattern of their form, you know, there's question marks over Laurent Blanc, the manager, and whether he's good enough. I think that's probably been answered in that he is not actually good enough. He's not tactically good enough in these type of big games. And, you know, you're coming up against Mourinho, who is probably one of the... Well, he's up there as one of the top two or three tacticians in Europe. And I don't really... I would have fancied PSG earlier in the season, but I just at this moment in time, I don't think so. I think Chelsea will have a little bit too much for them, especially seeing as PSG have a couple of injuries and things as well. What about David Luiz, a liability or no? I think we... Well, look, he made it into the FIFA Team of the Year, if you may remember, at the Ballon d'Or mm-hmm. ceremony, which I don't know how, how that happened. But, look, he has he has things going for him, particularly in the attacking sense. But, yeah, he's always a risk because, you know, he's... He's capable of making a clangor, as we saw at the World Cup, and we saw we've seen at Chelsea over the years as well. Um, he, he's always going to be a risk. What about the other feature game this week involving Real Madrid? Yeah, Real Madrid are playing Schalke, which I don't know how much we can really say about it because Schalke. Well, they've been, look. They started the season quite slowly, and then they brought in Roberto Di Matteo, who, as we remember, took. Yeah, Chelsea. he's a good man to come in mid-season and win you a Champions League. Yeah, what he's done basically, he's kind of done what he's done at Chelsea really where it's quite defensive quite solid and you can probably expect that again And but you know there's I, it's it's very very unlikely that Real Madrid will fall short against Schalke very very unlikely even though Cristiano Ronaldo isn't in the best of form apparently he's struggling physically and mentally um, and he hasn't scored in about three games which Ooh, I think is like drought. it's a massive drought in his, in his world yeah um, so look I don't. I think last season again they played. Yeah, they played in the last sixteen, and Real Madrid absolutely hammered them. Uh, so I don't really see any other result other than Real, you know, progressing quite comfortably. How do we catch up with Team Thirty Three this week? We're uh, we're on air Tuesday at midnight, but the podcast obviously goes out beforehand, and then there is uh, the Friday show as well. Raf Diallo of Team Thirty Three and Off the Ball, thank you for joining us. Thank you. Well, that's it for the Rewind this week. We're back next Monday with a look back on the Premier League weekend. Uh, We talk about hurling. The Division 1A and Division 1B campaigns continue. And we'll continue the countdown to Ireland against England in the Six Nations. Don't forget to join the lads on Off the Ball every night this week from 7. And you can join them this Saturday at 2 and Sunday at 1. And Team 33 back on the air tomorrow night. And you can catch the podcast from Tuesday afternoon. For myself, Oisín Langan, it's goodbye and good luck. It's another famous day in Irish cricketing history and Ireland have done it again. It's great to get that first win in the competition and hopefully we'll go on now and get two from two in a, in a couple of weeks' time. So looking forward to it. Yeah, all wrong. With, 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 with the bat, with the ball, with everything, it's the best it's the best I've seen so far and it just all goes well for the future. But, you know, it's a good that we've had a steady, um, what you call it, um, top six and that, that makes a big difference, you know.